Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Smattering, where we ask the important questions about investing. I'm Jason Hall, joined by Jeff Santoro. Jeff, you are the voice of the people around these parts. I think we have a fun show planned for today. I always say that, but this one's going to be a little bit different. Yeah, this is... Uh... This is what I'm looking forward to. We, we have been kicking this idea around uh, ever since we started, so I think it'll be fun to dive in. Before we do, uh, let's remind the people that they can reach us at, at Smattering Show on Twitter, um, or they can email us at thesmatteringshow at gmail.com. We want feedback. We want questions. It uh, really helps us make the show better. And uh, if, if you're listening and you're enjoying what we're doing, give us a follow, um, like the show on whatever podcast app you listen to, tell your friends, uh, all that really helps us get the word out. Yeah, it does. And we, 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 we've done a, we've been doing this for about a month and we've done two mailbag episodes so far, one pretty early. And then we did one, um, I believe last week. So we're going to be trying to do them about once a month. So please, um, take advantage of the ways to get in touch with us because it is definitely useful for content. Um, and a great way for us to engage with the things that people that are listening to us want to hear about. But our, our, our show today is, this is, going to be, this is going to be origin stories. This is going to be Jeff and myself. We're going to talk about our, our history and our background and the story of how we came to be where we are now. Um, and, and Jeff, I think there's a couple reasons we want to do it. I think it's important to explain to the folks that are listening why we thought it was important um, I'll start off. I think for me, it's one of the things that I've learned is it doesn't, it doesn't, it's a good way to see, it doesn't matter where you are now, right? Or where, what age you are, what your economic situation is today. It's a good way to get another perspective on somebody else, how somebody else perceives success, thinks about investing and what their journey is. And other people's perspectives are amazing at helping you find the way to find your own success. So I think that's one of the things about us sharing our stories that can be helpful for our listeners. What about you? For me, it's a lot of the same. And then it's, it's also the, you know, I've heard the expression, the, the best day to start investing is yesterday and the second best day is today. And I think what's going to be fun about this episode is you and I have pretty different stories, even though we're around the same age here doing the same thing together. And um, we both, each of our paths that we took, while we can probably look back and find mistakes or things we might have done differently, um, it's been a continuous sort of learning journey for us. Yeah, and, and you know, I've, I've been doing this for about 15 years, really actively picking stocks, thinking broadly about it. Over a decade, you know, my day job, making a living as an investor, writing about investing, talking about investing. And the one thing I've learned is you never stop learning, right? If you, if you think you know it all and you think you've been through every environment, you think you've seen every situation, um, you, you're going to get surprised at some point. And continually talking about it, um, I think, is a great way to, to rem- remember that and to, to be humble, too. Let's start with your story, Jeff. Um, you and I, first we first met a couple years ago. I think we're coming up on three years ago. We met on Twitter as people in finance meet these days. Um, and you reached out to me. You sent me a DM and said, hey, I want to get more involved. I want to start um, doing different things. And then we ended up having a phone conversation 
um, that was the beginning of our relationship and a lot of waters passed around the bridge you'll talk about. But I want to hear the before. I want to hear the whole story of what got you to the point to decide to really be, become an active investor. What's your, what's your story, Jeff? So my story as an investor actually goes back to before I was an adult. Um, no one in my family really invested, at least in terms of like buying individual stocks. So anyone in my family that had any kind of investing was always done through really kind of safe and or uh, like set and forget kind of things like mutual funds or index funds or, you know, whatever your 401k. Or I know when I was a kid, I, I got a lot of savings bonds or uh, my mom had a Franklin Templeton uh, saving. It was, a, I forget exactly what the investment was, but it was something I was able to have access to as I got, you know, my first couple years out of college. So, but in my mind, I always sort of thought of the kind of investing everyone in my family did completely separate from picking individual stocks, which is sort of silly because any sort of investment, even things like pension funds are invested in the stock market, right? At least to some degree. So mm-hmm. I've always been an investor in that sense. And I was really lucky. You just never, you didn't know it. Yeah, right. I never really yeah. thought about it. And because I didn't really have an education in it, you know, I, I so I, I'm an administrator in a school district now, but I was a teacher before that. And in my first year of teaching, a colleague really kind of pushed me to do the paperwork to set up my 403B. And I was just not, it, my head wasn't there. I was like, whatever, I'll do that later. And I finally did it. And that's the, that's the, the public sector jobs version of a 401k. Exactly. Right. Right. Um, so I set that up with like a embarrassingly small amount of money because I didn't know anything and I wasn't making a lot. And then just never touch a teacher. Even ten percent of your salary would be a small, embarrassingly small right. money. Well, just just to point out how much I didn't teachers, know. I love you. I'm 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 banging on the system, not teachers. I want to be yeah. clear there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's true. We there, there, there's not a lot of money there. Um, but just to show you how little I knew, I didn't even know you could do a percentage of your salary. I just did a dollar amount, which was dumb because every year when I got a little bit more money, it just stayed the same. Um, now, I've always been interested in sort of tracking my bank accounts and my, you know, financial accounts. So like keeping track of it was always something I was kind of just interested in. And I think that's relevant to where I ended up because I was checking quarterly, essentially. I was getting the the statement in the mail from my 403B or from whatever else I had. And it was like, oh, wow, it's down X amount of dollars from last time. Oh, well, I don't, I don't need this money for a really long time. I don't really care. And I would just ignore it. And I think that set me up temperamentally to be a long-term stock investor now and also to sort of weather volatility. Because even though I haven't lived through it with companies I've chosen individually, I know what it's like to get that statement in the mail and look at your you know, retirement account get cut in half because I was investing in, I missed the 2000 bubble, but I was investing during the great financial crisis. Um, and that was a wild several quarters of watching it go up and down. Um, so I always had the interest and then just to keep this long story shorter during the pandemic, when I was sort of home with a lot more free time, um, I had a conversation with a friend and we, I just, the idea of trying to invest in some individual stocks was kind of just interesting to me. Um, probably cause I had a lot of free time and I've always been interested in kind of keeping track of stuff. And I did, I didn't know anything. I opened a Robinhood account. Um, and I started buying like, you know, just the tiny, the cheapest stuff I could buy because they didn't have fractional shares at the time. 
Um, so I would buy like random biotechs because they were, you know, a couple dollars. It was essentially, I was just buying penny stocks and I, well, tiny amounts of money, five bucks, 10 bucks, just to sort of learn how it worked. Um, and then I found The Motley Fool as a, as a subscriber um, and really was interested in the whole philosophy of, of the way they invest really clicked with me. It, it jived with however, how I've been thinking about it my entire adult life. It made total sense. I felt like my temperament aligned with it. And then it was just sort of this... For, for, people, that, for people that found us that aren't familiar with The Motley Fool, the, the, the general idea between the, the, the Motley Fool's subscription services is it's very much a long-term buy-and-hold mentality, right? Recommending businesses based on their ability to disrupt industries or take market share and grow and hold for years and years and years, right? Many, many, many years. So you may have seen their emails or read the articles on fool.com or things like that, but really at its core, that's the thing, Jeff, that you're talking about that resonated with you, the idea of owning great businesses and letting those businesses create wealth for you. Right. And while I still had a lot to learn about that part of it, the idea of holding things for a really long time made sense to me because, again, my my idea of investing was these retirement accounts where I wasn't selling the stuff that was in there. I was continually adding to it. And I, while I saw it go down, I also saw it go up and up and up over time. Um, and then it was just sort of a, a cascading effect of getting involved, reaching out to you, meeting a bunch of people on Twitter and just learn. I read, I just read voraciously when I had all that free time in the pandemic, um, like every investing book that you can, all the articles I could find, um, connected with people, um, started doing some contract work for The Motley Fool. I started writing for them. Um, so I, I've said this before. I've said it here. I've said it on other um, other things I've done. While I'm, I still consider myself to be new to investing in individual stocks, I don't consider myself to be new to investing writ large because I sort of have always been thinking about it. But I want to hear, I know your story is much more interesting than mine, so I want to hear yours. Well, it, it's funny. So the, the condensed down story sounds really, really interesting, but like most people's stories, um, you know, it was pretty boring and there were a lot of really crappy parts along the way. Um, but, it, but it is, it's, it is a fun story. It's very different than yours, Jeff, that's for sure. So if you go back, um, I, I grew up middle-ish class, maybe lower middle class for a good chunk of it. We didn't have money, my, much money. My, my folks split up when I was like five, so we didn't really have very much money. I lived mostly with my mom. Um, I can remember probably like first grade. Um, my mom, we were part of a carpool to school, and it was we were only part of it for a very short period of time. And it was my mom's day to drive like the six kids to school, and we ran out of gas on the way to school. Right, so um, you know, money was always this thing that we never really had enough of. Um, in high school, I can remember having five different T-shirts. And like I would try to mix and match the days that I wore them so it wasn't obvious to other kids that I only had these five shirts. Um, little stuff like that, right? Um, and, you know, you know, my dad made some efforts to educate me about um, money, about saving money and you know, that sort of thing. And I know he was, um, it was, in his, he was in his 40s, I think, when he was able to get a, a federal job, um, worked for the... Um, uh, I can't remember one of the, he was like inspecting meat. He did that for a few years and then he passed the postal exam and went to work for the post office. And 
immediately signed up for the the thrift savings, right? It's like so it's like kind of they're almost their four hundred one. It's like the federal government four hundred one k in a way, right? Um, we never really talked about it, right? And he talked a little bit about saving and trying to be smart with money, but I, di- I didn't really listen, and we never really had deep conversations, and I didn't have like a lot of examples in front of me, and I was terrible with money for a very very like until I was into my late 20s. I was terrible with money, like to the point that um, I took money out of my girlfriend's savings account in college to buy speakers out of the back of a white van from some guy. Was it a windowless white van? or? Yeah, yeah, it was. It was like one of those Econoline <laughs> vans. It was just stupid, just, just dumb stuff. Um, I, paid, I paid her back. Um, she actually ended up marrying me. You know, um, long time after that, she's still my, my wife. Um, one of the most fortunate things that I did was marry the right person, right? Um, I, I want to say that, right? So, but I was terrible, terrible, terrible with money. Um, was really lucky to have certain skill sets that allowed me to become a high earner. Um, th- and that made a big difference. And we moved from Georgia. We did, had a, this is kind of the beginning of, where things finally started to turn. Had a big cross-country move uh, from the East Coast to the West Coast, and this was around 2006, so I'm 30. Um, We're more or less broke when we left. Um, We had a house um, in Massachusetts at the time that was we were renting it out to some friends. Again, this is 2006, right? So we're leaving East Coast, moving to California. We get in a crash. Most of our personal belongings were destroyed. Our truck rolled over, was destroyed. Um, we roll into Southern California with a U-Haul van full of broken stuff, right? Um, fast forward less than a year, the house gets foreclosed on. Our friends, we, we, we made mistakes. We didn't have a lease. We, our friends, their plans changed. This was 2007. It was the beginning of the end. Um, it was actually, it was probably early 2008 when the foreclosure happened, but so, you know, we have, so all this has happened. I'm 31, 32, finally started making money, but I'm looking around thinking, wow, I'm getting almost into my middle years and I have shit. I have a little bit of savings, have no retirement savings here. I got to get my shit together. I got to get my act together. I had dabbled with stocks here and there, like little trades and stuff. Um, like, but here's this... Let me tell you, here's how bad I was with money. When I was 26 or 27, um, I had a buddy call me and say, hey, let's go, let's go play golf this afternoon. Um, I didn't really have any money, but I had a few hundred dollars available on a credit card. Um, I, I ditched, ditched work early. Um, I had a couple of sales calls that I just canceled. Went to play golf. Um, played golf. Maxed out the credit card to do it. Called my 401k company. And cashed out a bunch of money out of my 401k to pay off the credit card, including that golf trip. So for those that don't know, that's like immediately a 20% tax penalty, plus it becomes taxable income that year, right? So that's like, I mean, that's, that's how stupid of a dumbass I was with my, like, I was just terrible. Like, I didn't, I made awful, awful decisions for a very, very long time, right? Fast forward again to, you know, my early 30s were in Southern California. I start making really good money. And find the fool at the same time. It's kind of your story there. I found the fool. This is the global financial crisis is going on. 
Yours happened during, you know, the pandemic more recently. But again, it just really resonated with me. So I really got aggressive with ramping up my 401k, putting excess cash into a Roth, a Roth for my wife and our taxable account, and really focused on, you know, trying to, to rebuild. Started developing some good money habits along the way. Again, mentioned that girlfriend became my wife. Um, instrumental, so instrumental in learning good money habits and being responsible and acting like a grown-up. So you fast forward, if you go on my Twitter profile, um, there's an article that's been there you can read that talks about this journey to reaching some major financial goals, right? And and a lot of luck comes into play, a tremendous amount of luck. You know, the fortune of having the right skills to have high earnings, um, finding a strategy that works, um, having a good financial partner that's your life partner along the way. And, um, you know, five or six years into that journey, so around 2011, 2012, same as you, Jeff. Um, I, I've been a member for a number of years at that point. I was, I was ready to start kind of giving back and make a go at doing this stuff and talking about it for, for a living as much as anything because it's very fulfilling to give back, right, and to be part of that, that conversation or way to help other people that I was... I was helped and, you know, here we are a lot of years later and, you know, I'm, I'm a dad. So now I'm, I'm proactively taking action and steps to make sure that my son doesn't learn my mistakes. He's going to learn his own mistakes, right? But that he's prepared and to remove some of the burdens of things like education and that kind of thing. Um, and also making sure that I have the ability to have complete financial independence and do the things that I want to do, right, for a living and never have to do the things that I have to do because that's the only way I can earn um, earn a wage. So, so that's more or less my story. Yeah, it's what, what strikes me is that, you know, so many of those mistakes you made were, you know, not that long ago. You know, I think when I think back to my financial mistakes. I made a lot of them when I was in my early 20s because I, you know, I was right out of school and just trying to kind of figure things out. But again, you know, and and I, I like that you pointed out that a lot of it has to do with luck and circumstances because I think both of us are in agreement. Like we don't want to minimize the fact that for for some people, like getting a high wage job is difficult or they don't have the good luck or the good fortune or aren't able to get themselves out of that bad situation. Um, so I think we both want to acknowledge that like we're not naive yeah. to that being out there, but for a lot right. of people, it is really just either an education or um, a, a growing up and maturity issue, right? Just kind of figuring out, you know, how to be an adult. Um, and but I just know, for me, like the, just the last couple of years, I have been so eye-opening in a lot of different ways, um, and I can't stop thinking like if I knew this when I was 20, if I knew this when I was 19, if I knew this when I was 15, um, yep. you know, it's just a nonstop sort of thing that runs through my head. But then at the same time, I can't change that. Um, I can only go from here on. You know, well, I was, so. you know, I was 30 thinking through those things and there's probably people that are going to listen to this, that they're 40 in that situation that I was in when they're 30. It's not too late, right? You right. still have decades to build wealth and to, and to position yourself. You know, I think that's the key. And if you are a 30-year-old version of me or a 30-year-old version of Jeff, again, that's, you're listening here. You're, you're taking control. And whatever age you're at, you're doing that. That alone is so empowering. And it's, it's, it's such a massive, massive step, right? 
Yeah, and I think what's great about right now is all you need is the interest in it, and there is a plethora of information. Um, obviously, none of it as important as this podcast, but um, if you go beyond number that, one, number, number one, number one, yes, yeah. But there's a ton of stuff out there. You know, like I was able to learn a whole lot of stuff um, by you know just you know searching around and finding good sources. But the thing I think that I really want to point out is you can't be afraid to ask the questions. And that was sort of why we wanted to do this podcast in a question format. You'll notice a lot of our episode titles are questions and why we don't want to always try to be, here's the answer. Because honestly, that conversation... No, it's here. It's here's an answer. Right. Yeah. And that, but that conversation is sometimes more important than the actual answer to the question, right? Because it gets you thinking and wrapping your head around things and asking the next question. But I know sometimes I'm I'm afraid to ask that question. I want to sound like an idiot. Um, so it's good I to have... I love it when you sound like an idiot, Jeff. I know. I get to sound smart. No, that's... Well, that's the whole... That's our whole relationship in a nutshell, really. Um, <laughs> but... No, but like I'm... I, part of me, like I'm happy to be the person who asks the questions in that sense because I, I do think it's important to, you know, for, for everyone really to sort of let go of like, oh, I have to know everything and just ask that question because... You know, it's better to ask and feel like you, you ask the dumb question for five minutes and get the answer than it is to just never ask the question. Yeah, um, e- ego is the is the is the destroyer of capital because it gets in between you and the truth. Right? Yeah, it gets in between you and the correct move. One of my favorite sayings and something I try to I try to live by: it's better to get it right than to be right. Mm-hmm. Because trying to be right, you get stuck defending your position and not listening to things that are counter to what you want to believe to be true. So uh, that's one of the things I love about the, the format we're here to. I'm glad we got to talk through this because I think it really ties into why, why we're doing this. You know, this, this is around, this is going to be around our 10th episode. Um, and I know that's not this like huge landmark number, but it seemed like a good place to kind of pause and just sort of take a step back and, and share our stories. And hopefully in the future, we'll be able to have, some other guests come on and maybe we can find a way to have them share their stories too, just so that we get as many different perspectives as we can. Cause I would think if we have 20 guests on over the next, however many months, we'll probably have 20 different, very different stories of how people came to be where they are. And every one of those stories is different than every one of you that's listening to this. And we can all learn a little bit of something that we can apply from every one of them. So yep. that's one of my favorite things about it. Jeff, appreciate it. Thanks for, thanks for sharing. Yeah, man, you too. All right, people. This was, uh, this was a fun episode. Um, as per usual, we ain't giving advice. So own your decisions. You can do it. We have faith in you. We'll, uh, we'll see you in a few days. We'll be back again with another show. See you, see you soon. See you, Jeff.